Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl. Start, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're starting now. This is, this is what happens every week. <laughs> you know, I got, I got to say, actually, every single week, <laughs> it's like herding cats. And I'm sure any officer can tell you trying to literally control firefighters is the worst. It is the worst. These guys been on the shortest amount of time. I know, and you still can't. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I have three members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey there. I have Scott. Hello. I have Mr. Spence. Hi, Carl. And joining us again this evening, Mr. Todd, Timeless Todd, is joining us up from the from the southern depths. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we yeah, let's go to the news first, and then we'll we'll discuss oh, we news. <laughs> <laughs> you got news. Yeah, I got the news. Um, Good to see you're prepared, Scott. I am. I'm not gonna like. I'm gonna read it right off of here. <laughs> Down in Virginia, should have brought a book. There is a. <laughs> there has been a bill passed that will allow firefighters and EMTs mm. to carry guns while on duty. Yeah. Now I don't know what you guys think of that. Obviously, up here, I don't think we have the problems. <laughs> um, no. We were joking a couple weeks ago about having a uh, a Nacho Libre award. For the odd tussle we get in on a fire ground. <laughs> Would this be the Wyatt Earp Award? <laughs> you get the gun battle? <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just. I mean, there are stories of like Detroit firefighters wearing vests go to work and they get shot at quite regularly. Really? I, I've I've read news articles on it. I don't know. If it's odd of you heard. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard a lot from through Detroit area actually for fire and EMS services, but. Yeah. Come on, I think our area is a little, a little different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that didn't come out of Texas. Oh, yeah, Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. It's Texas. Texas it's just a lot of Walmart yeah, photos no. going to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, uh, I was looking into our looking into our stats. Texas is one of our biggest areas for people with people listening in and everything hey, else. Texas. Hey, Texas. Hey, Todd's not part of the podcast. So, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean... It, we could get to the point where we're going to have like armed guards on the trucks this seems a bit ridiculous no, it's like, we're the armed guards well that's what I mean like, it's like okay we got four, we got four guys for a hose and two standing on top of assault rifles I'll call that this is just another a deck gun <laughs> nice uh, yeah I don't know any opinions I think typically we have other shit to do than yeah than yeah. shoot folks but I, I mean like I know some, guard, right? there was a couple guys shot like killed mm-hmm. five, two years ago in New York or is that yeah a few years back a couple guys got killed on a fire ground in a gunfight well not a gunfight I guess it's not a fight when you only, when no one has when the other people don't have a gun so more of a murder. Murder ambush yeah more of an ambush right. so yeah I can see them wanting them I guess but I mean whenever we go to a, I think we talked about when we go to a, kind of a sketchy um, structure that's on fire um, we automatically dispatch the police and they mm-hmm. come and we have it marked so we know kind of who's, what's in the neighborhood. 
So, yeah, it just, it seemed, I saw that and just, it struck me as odd. <laughs> Suddenly everyone's carrying guns. Yeah. I think you were yeah. just looking for another excuse to carry a gun. <laughs> Got enough reasons. <laughs> uh, today's topic, we are, uh, I'm sure Ash, you can do the voice better than me. We're going to do the old shout outs though first. <laughs> what the shout outs? I'm going to do the shout outs. <laughs> Just get into the shout outs. Jeez. <laughs> we'll get to the shout outs first. No, we're I'm so excited about the, the shout outs, though. It's true. It's true. All right, let's do it. Pretty exciting shout outs, it's true. So, um, we're going to do one quick one for uh, I Am Responding. I Am Responding, we will post up the link. Um, if you head to our Facebook page, there's a link there for I Am Responding passed to us from them, lovely people. And uh, they have a trial website that uh, you can go on, you can test out their product for a period of days and check to see if it works for your department. If you do order it, you get a discount and uh, yeah, it, it's all it's all good stuff. So take a peek, we'll get that link up uh, tomorrow and or today, I guess, when the episode release. Yeah, today, sure, today. And <laughs> it will be there for you all to use, share, like and like a love. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the the bigger the bigger of the two at the moment, a very very big big shout out to uh, to Chief Miller. Um, we've made a little kind of arrangement where Chief Miller uh, is going to be the sponsor for our podcast and uh, all of our uh, our our content. <clears throat> so uh, thank you very much, Chief Miller. Yeah, it's big uh-huh. big news. Yeah, awesome news. Mm-hmm. So. If it's alright with Scott, we'll go on to. Uh... Uh, we'll go <laughs> God, I'll tell you what, give the guy a red up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this week's episode is called I'm Helping. I'm Helping! I'm Helping! <laughs> In true Ralph Wiggum fashion. Um, this is. Uh, this is. This is an episode about um, are we when we're called for mutual aid or to assist uh, ambulance? Are we actually helping, or are we in the way? And also, some departments are first not even assisting; they're going first. Straight, yeah. Um, actually, uh, a lot of them are. So, but are they helping? Yeah, and this this isn't aimed towards because we, we obviously know there are departments that are they're EMT trained as well um, and they've, they've got the kind of the, the emergency responder holes too we are not that um, ourselves and I, I don't even think locally we are for the majority up, up where we are um, yeah I don't think there is another instance of, of that at all no. um, oh, not, no not in the province yeah, no. yeah. yeah they have an ambulance service yeah so um, with the ambulance service you know are we actually turning up and, and being of use? So, Todd, I'm going to kind of just pass it over to you because you've you've worn many hats for many years. In fact, for many centuries, from what we understand. <laughs> uh, so what I do you think? I don't know that long, but <laughs> well, you spent time in uh, in a big city, yes, doing yeah. paramedic work. Yeah, in so small I, de- city. I definitely got to dabble a little bit in both because I started with in a small town um, with the fire service, and then also as a uh, part-time paramedic and then got to go to the the city lower mainland for many many years uh in a full-time capacity as a medic and then still keeping in touch with the volunteer fire department side of it always did that on the side still um and then now i'm back here so i've definitely seen many many departments throughout the province uh work with uh ems services so 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess there's, it's a touchy subject, you know. There's a lot to talk about um, in our province. You know, like we we're saying, we don't have any specific EMS fire integrated agencies. Uh, we'll have first responders who are either ticketed at a first responder level or EMR level. Um, some full-time departments are a bit more proactive in their training. Uh, others aren't. And then there's other departments like ours who aren't first responder, but will definitely go at a drop of the hat if EHS is asking to come assist. Um, I think every situation is very different and dynamic. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough one to talk about. <laughs> yeah, the, you're right. I understand. I mean, it, I think, is there, so is the, can you, can you think of a time where there's been a call, we've been in a situation, you've either been on truck or you've been, you've been wearing hat, like whichever one you want to go for, whatever side of the coin where you just looked at a situation and went, you know what, fire department's in the way right now, or they're, they're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, I think, you know, both, both ways, like as volunteers, we all want to get in and help, you know, we all do. And I know for, um, in my experience, if we get called for an ambulance assist, um, we want to roll everybody wants to get out in their help. So you might have two trucks there, you know, and then everybody walks in the house. And at that point you look around, it's like, okay, really? Like, do we need eight guys standing here in the hallway completely blocking it? No, maybe not. Appreciate the help. And, and uh, you know, you really want to help, help and be there, but really I need two guys or maybe three guys. Um, many situations like that, uh, lift assist, you get somebody very, very heavy or in an awkward position um, where you might just need that third hand um, or just, Two other firefighters and the two medics and able to lift um, but again our mentality is we all jump in we want to help at that point now you're working over each other um sometimes you just have to step up and say all right you know what dude thank you but step out um you know do it in a polite way so that people aren't pissed off at you i know i've had to have um conversations with a, a full-time officer in the more mainland in the past i was there as the medic and this guy was really really sick and it was an awkward position and uh, the full-time crew was there helping us um, and I turned around and I said to them, I said hey can you go get our stair chair I need it right away and for me if I say something uh, in a very abrupt way in a matter of on a call I'm not saying it rude but I'm saying it like no this needs to happen now type of deal so this guy's sick and he took it the completely the wrong way. He thought I was being a jerk. Um, he barked back at me. I said, dude, I'm not trying to be a dick. <laughs> like, we, did, we need to get it out of here. And he got all pissy and walked away. We ended up having to... Why else is he there? Yeah. <laughs> so so we, we ended up um, having to deal with the patient by ourselves for a few minutes. I ran downstairs to grab it. And I recognized one of the other guys that was down by the truck. Because uh, it, was, it was a new captain in that rotation. And I said, hey, man, we need your help. I don't know what's going on with your cap, but like, I'm not barking orders, but this guy, we need all hands on deck to get this guy going. And he, later on, he actually ended up dying in the hospital because it took a while to get, get him out of the apartment. But So I think what I always tell people, um, you know, I'm not going to say please and thank you every single time. Um, I always try to, but uh, sometimes if I'm really focused on the client uh, and the patient care, um, I'm saying something precise and quickly to the point. Like, don't take offense to it. I'll still definitely go have a beer with you as a buddy afterwards. Um, you know, I'm not looking to um, 
have a power struggle with anybody. It's like we're 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 a team. Like we all got to work together for the same common goal. So, what an interesting time to have a have a hissy fit. I mean, it seems like yeah, because <clears throat> things like that. I mean, it's not something I don't expect to please and thank you when I'm mm-hmm. out on a call. Like I, I expect mm-hmm. to be directed to go and do a thing. And yeah. then I'll go and do the thing because we're all well, there to do yeah. the job, right? And like the other thing is being in here for a while now, um, I don't look at it as like, well, I've been here longer, I know more than you. It's like I look at everybody's skill set and I'm like, you know, I got like Matt when we're on a river call and I'm not going to be like, I've been here uh, eight years longer than you, Matt. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm be like, Matt, what do you want us to do? Cause he's, and I think we're going to have Matt on soon yeah. to talk about water rescues. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to ask him because he knows what to do. He knows ropes and water like, like nobody's business. Yeah. Like Aquaman in the water at that one time when I just watched him. Like ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be that. I'm not gonna. You know, we're not gonna be like we shouldn't be. No one should ever be. Hey, I know more because I'm being here longer. It should just defer to the person that knows the most. Yeah. And and I find too like, I, I worked with so many different personalities over the years, and some guys are just abrasive like that. There's always a pissing match between fire and EMS. Um, I worked on both sides. I work with many co-workers who are absolute dicks towards fire departments yeah. um but uh yeah that particular moment was just like oh, come on man but you can see the firemen uh under him because he's their cap they had to they were listening to him you could see there it was awkward as hell they didn't they looked at me like oh sorry todd like <laughs> we got to kind of step back here with them but yeah i showed something yeah todd kind of <clears throat> said it there at the end as well but i think <clears throat> you want to have that short and precise when you're in the moment there's no time if it's big or small whatever it is just get in there short and precise say what you want don't be a dick but say what you want get your point your point across there's less chance to interpret anything wrong if it's short precise i need this now okay i better go get this now because that's what he's asking for hey go do this quickly hey can, can we have this there's, there's no, oh, it'd be nice if we could get that scare chair up here and really help out the patient. No, hey, we need that now. That's, there's le- way less likely, there's way less likely you have a chance to, to interpret anything differently. Just say it short, say it uh, precise, and just get that ball rolling. Yeah. And also in that type of <clears throat> scenario, when it's a medical call and fires there to assist medical, Default to the medic. Default to the medic, exactly. Yeah. When the yeah. medic says something, do what the medic says. Yeah. And, and, I, and I can understand probably from that captain's perspective because I'm pretty sure he'd been around for a long time. And back in the day at that time, there was always a lot of pissing matches between the two services. Um, and like I said, our service has a lot of, a lot of power struggle jerks as well. Um, but, you know, you just got to realize that, you know, that particular time, I wasn't one of them. <laughs> you know, it was mm-hmm. the guy was sick. Um, but by saying that, also I've worked with many amazing crews, um, full-time volunteer spread out through the province that are there at the drop of the hat for you. Um, and some of them can really, really read the scene and know they only need one guy in there to help or we need all three, four guys in there to help. Again, experience and working relationships. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, one thing that reminded me of a story we were kind of mentioned, I was talking to you guys before, um, one night I was up in the city of North there, and uh, there's a guy just down on a bench. And I was standing where, where the paramedics were already there. We're standing there, and uh, 
so the paramedics are there working on the guy, and you hear you, you can hear from like five blocks away. <laughs> like the whole like oh wow, <laughs> and they're like, and so the, they kind of look at each other, and the one guy goes, "Just what we need: five guys and a thousand gallons of water for this downed." Um, patient. <laughs> so it was, it was just kind of struck me as funny because he obviously he didn't know I was a volunteer firefighter, but I was I just kind of laughed because because yeah it was it was kind of ridiculous because they're like they're all an ass everything's coming and it's like yeah, what are they gonna do for one guy on a bench? <laughs> yeah, a lot of this a lot of that stuff gets pretty political with uh, how everybody's dispatched with the first responder programs and ambulance and you know there's always pissing matches with. Uh, certain services and how the governance of the ambulance service works on who gets sent to what type of medical call, if you will. Um, that's always going in our province right now. It's happening in the lower mainland now as well. But I think at the end of the day, you know, for the average firefighters and officers on the truck, you know, we all want to be there to help and, and do the thing and let the politicians be politicians and we'll still work together and do whatever needs to be done. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I don't know. I think I think we're kind of shifting towards the almost into a leadershipy point here. But um, it, it's as long as we're all there and realize that we're doing the thing together, and we're supposed to be just working together to achieve the goal, so we can get home and get everyone else home with us. I don't think there should be any problems beyond that. Like, please and thank yous. You can save those for afterwards. Yeah. When it comes to or not, just be yeah, just be professional. Maybe <laughs> 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 get back to the hall and say, you know, I'm yeah. really sorry. I asked you to go get me that Halligan bar, and I didn't say thank you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at yourself. <laughs> I'll be the truck. Your own fire. I'll go put this other fire over here. <laughs> the one thing with some of those little hierarchy kind of, I don't know what you call them, just interprofessional ribbings I guess if you will between the two agencies there's a lot of funny stories that come out of it like the one that actually Scott reminded me earlier tonight <clears throat> I was working uh, on a cardiac arrest in the lower mainland and um, uh, fire department was there first uh, we rolled in started doing the call and uh, our ALS truck pulls up and I noticed right away it wasn't our regular ALS guys it was our critical care transport teams and normally they're flying, but they happen to be in a ground ambulance at the time. And so they're like the Navy SEALs of the ambulance. That <laughs> I'm not going to be pumping any of their tires on this. Back to that interagency. That's what they are. <laughs> but, uh, but, but they're they're great, and they have a lot of specialties and, and specialty items as well. And I remember working the call. The fire department was doing a great great job. Uh, I've worked them many calls. <clears throat> they their cap was cycling guys out doing compressions every two minutes. They had a guy on on the airway, so we started working with them and getting our stuff going and getting IVs up and running. And uh, at that time, the team walked in and they pulled out this. Uh, um, Still team six. Yeah, they they, they pulled out uh, this box and the other guy that they intubated them and and hooked it up. And the one firefighter looks at it and says, "Well, what's this?" You go, oh, that replaces you. And they all drew a blank on their face and looking around, it was a portable ventilator. And uh, so it was literally just a little computer and ventilator, and it started running um, the ventilations for us. And then uh, they also had a Lucas CPR device, and they strapped it on, and that replaced the fireman doing chest compressions. And then they were all just kind of standing back looking at us because everything was all prepackaged and all the jobs were done for them. And I remember the. 
the the team leader for the CCP team there, he looked up and goes, "Yeah, you guys can clear. We're good." <laughs> and, and they just all kind of looked at each other, baffled. Okay, <laughs> and left. And uh, I don't know. It, it was pretty funny. <laughs> There's that scene in Tombstone where the guy's standing there and he's like, oh, I forgot you were standing there. You may go now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, another good point there is technology. The way it's advancing, <clears throat> how many times now are we needed to get called to certain things? Because I don't think we get half as many anymore since they brought out that new... The striker? The, yeah, yeah, the mm-hmm. striker, right? Like, it's that true, thing yeah. will just lift people up and get them out and you're not, you don't need four to six guys to lift a person these days sometimes you need them to get them onto it but really now like if you're experienced yeah. with the tool you can kind of do it yourself for the majority from what i see yeah they're starting to come up with a lot more lifting devices for us <clears throat> um i mean there's still certain situations where you know an extra hand would be great but especially with those new stretchers uh, and the self-loading mechanisms uh, they're they're fantastic it's yeah it's two people then one person pushes a button and they're in yeah yeah, and that mechanical chest bumper. We caught it in What was it? What's he called? Uh, it was the Lucas CPR device. Oh yeah. But that's yeah. a brand. That's kind of a brand name. That, that's mm-hmm. the, that particular brand. There's other brands out there. Uh, that t- is one brand that um, the IML service here is, is using um, in the critical care and advanced life support groups. But the nomenclature in the volunteer fire service is a magical chest pumpy thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it around here. Anything that has to do with pumps is magic. It's magical magic. chest pumpies. Magical <laughs> pumps. <laughs> um, speaking of CPR, you may be able to answer this. Um, <laughs> it's good that we have experts on the show. Exactly. Every once in a while. Clears up all of our questions. <laughs> Um, CPR now is it is it still just keep pumping or is there still breaths or uh, <clears throat> the safest question is to default to your training level and to your license level All right. <laughs> <laughs> to your first aid tickets well covered, um, yeah, well covered. Uh, uh, so the heart and stroke is essentially um, 30 to 2 yeah um, but I mean the animal service we do mostly uh, continuous chest compressions and what we're teaching now as well <coughs> in my job is um, hands only CPR and that's just continuous chest compressions as well. Right. But then that's, a lot of that is kind of lone responder. You're by yourself, you're doing it. Uh, and then as you get a second responder, um, then you, you can change it up. But again, we always want to default back to what you're trained as. Yeah. Um, but the basic, basic root of it is continuous chest compressions. Get somebody on that chest. Don't stop. Keep doing chest compressions and early defibrillation. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, I don't know if it's a video you can find on the internet, but there was a video I saw in one of my first day courses and it was like a they had a pig and they like put it in cardiac arrest and then they they started doing it was basically that lucas device but it was much less um, much more aggressive <laughs> it looked like and they just started hammering away on this pig and you could see its blood pressure rise and then when it stopped to do the <clears throat> the breath the blood pressure would drop right off and then they'd have to build the blood pressure back up and then by the time it was built back up it dropped again because they have to uh, breathe and then they showed if it was continuous how uh how much more effective it is just keep that blood pressure up keep the blood because semi-oxygenated blood flowing through the brain exactly yeah i mean there's uh there's a lot to say still about oxygen carrying capacity through the blood bloodstream and stuff when you're doing those chest compressions and also uh brain damage and brain death um without oxygen but uh for layperson responses for cpr um yeah we're really pushing that that hands-only cpr we're not doing the ventilations um and then when you get adequate um 
rescuers there then to start doing that artificial respirations. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, <clears throat> when I, when I very first started, actually, I think Warren actually had brought that up and it was made a very big point of that because it was just like, just don't stop hitting the chest, just keep going and going and going. And I think I had even said like, oh, you're not, because at the time I didn't know, it was like, you're not supposed to breathe. And he's like, that was how they used to teach us. We don't do that now. Like if you've got a machine that you can put on for breath, great, but you just keep hitting that chest. Everything else is secondary. Well, and I think one of the reasons why I probably came up for you is because we were doing RIT. the firefighter down CPR stuff yeah. during RIT where we can't, <clears throat> you can't even breathe for the guy because he's got a SCBA on because you're pulling him out of the building. So yeah, we're, we're, we're on his chest, pumping him all the way out. And then when we get outside, we do what we do to get him out. And if you, I think we talked about firefighter down CPR before on here. Um, but if you, if you can look it up, if you haven't already, um, we've got, video we're a, we got a video coming. Great segue into yeah. the continuous chest compressions is that firefighter down technique. Yeah, because they you just keep going. Like you're just hammering, and it's all so fluid once you get it, and you get the guy stripped right out of his uh, turnout gear. His SCBA comes right off. Straight into a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Carl last week. <laughs> yeah, one of the key points of that training night was uh, make sure you get out of the hot zone yes. when you pull the guy out. Because uh, <laughs> we were doing a training scenario um, for Todd and everyone else listening <laughs> um, last couple weeks ago, and uh, oh. and we and actually the chief uh, he was the incident commander that night. Um, and he actually told, I think Ash, because Ash is part of the training section, told Ash to, uh, hey, why don't you make a writ thing happen right now? So all of a sudden, did you tell Carl? Yeah, so I went and found Carl. I went around to the, uh, uh, where were you? By the garage. Up, up, up to the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind the of. The garage fire. Yeah, the garage fire, <laughs> if you will. Um, told you to go around in inside and then basically collapse, um, and then uh, you didn't have a working partner at the time, which made it a, a little bit different than normal. But uh, uh, I came back out once you were placed, and I told Speedy, "I'm like, hey, um, just just kind of picture me as Carl's, partner. you know, second man at the moment. Uh, he just collapsed inside. I told him where it was. Uh, we need to to get a mayday and a." And a red team activated right away. Yeah, it sounded so, good. Like I, because I was running, I was out with a tender, and I was listening to the radio call. It sounded good. The mayday mm -hmm. came in clear. Red team got activated yeah. right, right away. It sounded like you got out quickly. Yeah. Um, and I know part of it was because where we were coming out of it was a fairly narrow area, so they didn't want to necessarily drag you all the way through that area. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually, when we got back with the truck, I grabbed the AED to simulate the that part of the scenario, and mm -hmm. I went. <laughs> and of course, I just internal gear because I didn't have my SCBA on. Because I'm thinking, oh, they're going to pull him out of the hot zone. And you were still pretty much right, right outside the door. By the door. A lot of smoke poured. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> So that was one of our debrief things. And yeah, mm -hmm. you just get him out of there. But yeah. they smoothly went right into Firefighter Down? Yeah, no, it's, everything else seemed good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, went, it went well. There was, uh, I know we're, we're kind of off subject enough. <laughs> but we what, do that. We I'm don't sure. do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we <laughs> We hear about it from Bob. It's all about patient care. <laughs> but there was, there was a moment there, because I've never been in the RIT situations. I've never been the person Oh, the guy down, yeah. Like, I've always been the guy helping with the rescue and doing the removal. I'm a bigger lad. Like, I can normally, I can pull quite well. Do you know what I mean? Get a mic. But it, I'd never been the guy on the floor. And there was a, there's a few moments there where you got your SCBA going and you kind of you concentrate on your breathing, your alarms going off, and you just you're surrounded by smoke because it was it was everything was burning anyway, right? Because we were doing the scenario. There's a few moments where you just lived there like, 
shit, this doesn't feel good. Like, this is, <laughs> the actual this is an uncomfortable <laughs> situation right now. Yeah. Like, I am not did, a fan. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was not a fan. And then as soon as, like, you know, as soon as you're hearing the banging and stuff, you can, it's like, hey, it was all right, all right, fair enough. And then it was Warren and, uh, I think, uh, Jason, actually. Yeah. Warren and Jason. Mm-hmm. And they've done it a million times, right? Like, So I was packaged and out super quick, but... Yeah. Sure, Again. he's feeling the way, like when you hear that noise and yeah. all of a sudden that first hand grabs you and you know that team's working on you and to get you out, it's, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really, it was it was weird. It was weird. Yeah, I'd rather do the rescue and then the, uh, <laughs> the laying. The rescue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so maybe let's, uh, let's talk about maybe, because you, you were just saying that going into, there was a good segue from Scott's continuous chest compression. Oh, um. I can't remember. <laughs> but actually, I can just while we're on this whole CPR yeah, yeah, yeah. topic, um, the other thing, the big thing that we're pushing right now in the province too is uh, the Pulse Point app. You guys heard of that? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah we so, have it. So this uh, is an app? It's an app. There's an app for that. Yeah, it's a Pulse Point. an app for that. And actually, this kind of jumps into the, the you know, are we helping theme. Um, so basically, if you've heard of the public access defibrillator program, it's... I think it's kind of slowing down. I don't know how active it actually is right now, but essentially like uh, like our curling clubs and hockey rinks and mm-hmm. libraries, things like that, community centers that have these defibrillators in them. So the Pulse Point app, you can get them registered um, where the defibrillators are. And then if you sign up for this app, if somebody goes into cardiac arrest, automatically our dispatch center um, is linked with that app and that will information will go out to your phone. It's showing that there's somebody in CPR, a CPR is needed and there's an emergency. Um, you're closest, it'll show you where those defibrillators are. Um, oh, wow. And cool. the very first time actually that was this summer, I went to a cardiac arrest uh, while at work and there's this guy holding his phone at the elevator as we're running into the hotel. And he says, oh, I'm, are you here for the cardiac arrest? We're like, yeah, do you know the people? Oh, like, oh no, I'm a physician from the lower mainland. My phone went off on my app saying there's CPR, so I came to help. And uh, it was, it was, it was kind of cool, cool to see that. Really you know, awesome. It worked, and he ran to come here and help. He was just down the street. Um, so it, it does work. So it's pretty cool. Huh. Pulse yeah, like, yeah, Pulse like it was yeah. the always call. I just reloaded it because I hadn't been loaded on my phone lately. But it has like different traffic accidents stuff too, and like when when CPRs are required. Is that yeah. just province? No. So for us, I've been playing with it a little bit, and uh, I can only get it to register through BCEHS. Oh. Uh, so for it it'll pop up. You can kind of pick what events like MVAs, floods disasters whatever hazmat and you'll, you'll get notified for right. for example i get a bunch of things saying there's an mva this street and this street and then it'll actually say which ambulance crew is responding it'll have the numbers underneath and different colors for on route and on scene um and from what i understand when you search through the system i believe in the states it looks like there's a lot more uh, abilities for departments to get linked up to mm-hmm. but is um, it free it's free app yeah because it like literally i'm looking at it right now it was 22 minutes ago um the department just north of us had a traffic accident. Oh, I had to turn that function off. My phone was going. I can see. I think that's why I might have deleted it originally because it was going crazy and I haven't shut off. <laughs> yeah, I had to go yeah. through and turn the MVAs off because it was going crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it doesn't like all of them, all of them in the province. Oh, I get them all in the yeah, province. Like, ding, yeah. ding, ding. Oh, I'm nowhere near. Uh, <laughs> none of it. <laughs> Which actually isn't in our province, but. <laughs> can you localize it? <laughs> I haven't really looked at it too much because when I first downloaded it, it was it was still like brand new. Yeah, I'm, I'm still playing with it a bit yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So uh, pulse <coughs> pulse point. 
So I'll, I'll post a link to it as well. Yeah. That's that's yeah. good. That's yeah, interesting. Cool. Never... The AD thing is pretty cool because yeah, like yeah. I was saying, you can look, you can see where they are. Well, just for yeah. that alone, I yeah. think would be super useful. You know? Yeah, and they need to be registered. Um, right. So part of my new role now with the oh. community paramedicine is I'm going around to these other other places like the curling club, uh, the hockey rink, um, other places in town, uh, hotels that have them to see if they want to get them registered. Uh, and then more will be on that app because right now for our community um, if you open it up it only shows I think two or three but there's I know for a fact there's about six or seven right right yeah that's good that's awesome Um, Scott I guess my big question to Todd is what actually does help (laughs) 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 to me I think one of the important things that we should know is what's in the ambulance and where to find it like you said um, you were saying that chair the the stair chair um, I know a lot of like firefighters might be like what the hell is that yeah, i mean are all ambulance are they all packed the same way is it generic or? more or less now yeah before i mean they always have the same gear in there um the odd person might have a different uh, style of a jump kit but now we're going to standardization so everything's pretty much the same even in the cupboards uh they should be very similar so the odd crews that like to move stuff around and personalize it a bit but more or less it's going to be in the same same spot um yeah, you know, this topic you could definitely bounce around, and I apologize, we might bounce around a little bit between full-time and volunteer, but realistically, like, the uh, the stretchers and the stair chairs um, for the ambulance service, like, paramedics are only supposed to be one. Oh, the only ones that are supposed to actually use them. We all know, we all see it, we all help um, the fire departments. Um, not going to get into all the specifics of that, but... Yeah, exactly. Generally, what's happened in the past, what I've seen is some of the local crews have come by the fire halls and kind of just given a a simple awareness of what's in the ambulance and how to use things if something was to happen. Um, Yeah, really important to know where stuff is in the ambulance. We've all been on those big calls where the paramedics are tied up and they turn to one of us as a firefighter, hey, can you go grab me this? And it's like like the fire truck. Know know where your gear is, right? It's super important. and that's one thing that the service is the animal, you know, the animal service, they should probably work with their fire departments a little bit more closely, maybe, and do. Yeah, well, we haven't done that lately. We used to yeah. do it every year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we still have the ambulance show up, show us the... Uh, a midnight. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't take yeah, long, but just yeah. be aware of kind of where the key stuff is, right? Well, even we had a lift assist a couple weeks ago, and uh, the paramedic said, can you get me the slipper? And I knew what it was, and everyone was like, what the hell is that? But I knew what it was and where it would be located, so I went and got it, and I came back with it. And I think the paramedic was actually surprised and knew what it was and where it was. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, it is! I, I, I literally thought that he was, it, it was like a construction site, and he was sending me for a glass hammer. Like, no, yeah, it's, like a, it's like a plexiglass thing that you can slide under a person and get yeah. them moving and stuff. Yeah. And they, Go find me a left-handed stuff, screwdriver. Yeah. Go. Go get the whole stretcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think that's probably the most important, is... Uh, knowing where that kind of stuff is. Um, and, you know, like we said, like, are we actually helping or are we in the way? Um, just ask, you know, like, try and read the scene. If, you know, if you're sitting down in between the paramedic and his jump kit, well, be prepared to either be told to move or else, hey, hand me something. So maybe if you're going to have a person in that situation, maybe have them somewhat familiar with what's mm-hmm. in that kit, what to grab. And if you don't, um, there's been many times where I've had to describe the kit contents and placements uh, to a firefighter because my hand, both hands were tied up um, on where stuff is. So just be very cognizant. If you're saying it's in the left top yellow pouch, you know, under this, yeah, just just dig and communicate. Let's go. Funny story from Todd once. Um, I don't know if you remember this. When uh, the Tim Hortons opened, 
there was a it was a hazmat or not a hazmat it was like some kind of chemical call and uh our truck got there long before the ambulance and so we had a, a kid on their truck so we pulled it off so todd comes over and person sitting down like uh so todd's like hey i need this and this i'm like well here why don't i just i just put the kit right next to the patient and, <laughs> and todd's like never do that because <laughs> he's like there's been numerous times when i've had to dump the kid out of puke because <laughs> the kid you know like, <laughs> so i always remember that <laughs> so i always like when i'm like go do stuff now i'm like oh no put that there <laughs> yeah very, very true don't 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 put things in the way of the vomit zone. You got to be very aware. It's like a hot zone. It's a hot zone. Yeah, learn that quickly. That happens once to you, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, back to the departments and stuff. Though, like, I think really just knowing where the gear is, how you can actually help, and um, I, know, I think it's like multiple things. Just communicate to the crews, right? Like, say, hey, how, how many guys do you need? What do you need? We'll stand back here until you tell us. Um, and just hopefully you have a good working relationship with the crews and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, a, a good point that I just got out of that. Just even as a pre-plan guy, again, coming back to you, like you said, yeah, we might have, we used to do, uh, have ambulance down and, and show us bits and pieces on there. Yeah. We should definitely have that happen soon. Yeah. You know, like add that into the, the regular schedule. And out there, again, same thing. Like if, if you're not having these conversations with, uh, with your local ambulance services, do it. Have, have the chat, you know? Well, you know, one thing I was thinking, if they come, we should really do on a night when we're doing firefighter down CPR. Because I don't really think they know that we do that. Right. And, you know, they might have mm-hmm. their own thought in their head, like, oh, when they bring this firefighter out, how are we going to get them out? But if we already can show them that this is what we would do, yeah. I think that's important to show. And also some of our different rescue devices, techniques, like the like the hinge rescue. Like, I think if they know that we can get somebody off a roof Maybe without doing some craziness, mm-hmm. um, well, it is kind of crazy, but without with like doing, basement, like, safe, yeah, yeah or, out of a, or possibly out of a basement yeah. with the old YouTubes that we're going to be showing soon. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> um, but doing those rescues, I think that sometimes the, if the paramedics can see where we do that sort of thing, um, maybs it's more, more that they know, because a lot of times I think they think we look to them like, what do you think we should do? But we are yeah. kind of the experts in the rescue side. Interagency training is yeah. so key. It's huge, right? And that's one thing that we kind of suck in this province. Yeah. That we should really be doing more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys remember back in the day when we did like uh, the school bus crash and no track? Yeah, I heard, I heard that, yeah. SAR was involved. Everybody's involved. We actually transported uh, people to the community center for like a fake MCI hospital and stuff like that. Yeah. Were you around Spence when we did that? that? I remember hearing about yeah. it. There's a big yeah. scenario. Big scenario in down in the western area. Yeah. We had high school yeah. kids as yeah. actors yeah. there. Um, yeah. Well, lots of lots of communities do this at different times. Right, right. Um, I'm working on one for the spring, hopefully, you know, in our town. Um, hopefully, we can get it going. But it was uh, it works well for hopefully training. We can do it in our town then too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it would be. It would definitely be good. I know in the past the person that possibly led the 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 ambulance station here may have not been so open to do that. So mm. I think having different people now. The chief now is good. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good. <coughs> Used to be my old partner. Just a little shout out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because he's he's also trained, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, we. Um, when I was full-time on car, uh, we were partners for a year. And then he uh, he was the chief up in my old station, then he transferred down here. Nice. So he's good. He's, he's done a lot of that stuff. He's worked throughout the province as well. Nice. Cool. 
Um, uh, just just to flip it, I think also it's very important for the paramedics to know what the fire department's capabilities are on specifically rescue calls. I just gonna bring that up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> us as paramedics, we get in the way just as much as <laughs> sometimes firemen get in the way in medical calls. So, car accident scenes, fire departments, you know, we're the specialists for that for rescues yep. um, and coordinating. Uh, technically, you know, we really don't even get in the cars and get involved. So a lot of times we do. Um, but you guys, or us as the fire service, we're, we're responsible for that. So having those crews, especially in our smaller communities, we get a lot of, a lot of newer medics here, aren't really aware of how capable uh, as a rescue department we are here. So yeah, yeah maybe. And I think our guys need to know that that's what they're in charge. Because sometimes it's like, oh, let's defer to what the paramedics say. But I, there's been times yeah, that totally. I mean, yeah. you might, the medic might say, oh, hey, well, I need this door off and do this. And you guys are like... Really? Like, it's going to be way quicker to do this other option, right? So, yeah, I think it's important to discuss those boundaries and who's in charge of making what call, right? I mean, ultimately, the the medics are going to be in charge of patient care, but without you guys there, that patient care is going to suck because they need that access or egress, so. Well, there's been times, like, I've been working the tools and I can hear the paramedics be like, hey, let's step it up, boys. I'm like, really? <laughs> the hydraulics only go so fast. <laughs> and there's a lot to this because this car is not mm. the way it used to be. <laughs> Actually, also, again, bouncing back and forth a little bit, but um, are we helping is uh, for patient care, communicate. Communicate mm. to the patient. Um, I see it all the time. Everybody gets so bad and doesn't don't they don't talk to the patients. Uh, whether it's a medical thing that we're you know lifting or moving a broken limb or whatever, or we're actually in a car or down a bank and doing something, communicate with these people. That's what they remember. They're going to remember us talking to them, how good we were. They're not going to remember that. Well, it took them two and a half hours to get me out. I'm exaggerating, but they're going to remember. Hey, no, these guys were fantastic. They talked to me the entire time. They held my hand. You know, that's what's going to be remembered. Yeah. Plus. Yeah, you know, I think, and the biggest thing to drive home from that statement is when we practice with live patients, like with, not like a dummy, that aren't firefighters. When you bring in people from the school, you bring in, you know, our firefighters' children, if you put live people in the scenario, I'll treat Carl like... I treat Carl, which is terribly. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's true. Fact, right? True. You're yeah. gunning. Right? You almost have to. You're nowhere near it. <laughs> you're rough with them. You're swearing. You know, you're getting the job done. But mm-hmm. if you put a child in there, even if it's one of our kids, if you put a child actor from the school in That's there. That's a great point. Yeah. You know what I mean? My mother-in-law. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> how you drive home. You know, this is the, the true patient care yeah. because now this is somebody that, you know, like I care about Carl, but like if I'm a little rough with him, he'll probably still have a beer with me later. But there's this kid in there now, or there's somebody's mother-in-law in there now. Like you really have to drive home being cautious and gentle and, you know, that whole talking, the whole thing, yeah. because they've never, you know, hopefully they've never been there before. So this door is going to be popping, uh, making all sorts of noise. There's things that they're not aware of. So talking them through that, Carl knows that, you know, glass breaks and when you cut a post, it goes pop. This person in that car doesn't. So. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and that's huge. Like, as you all know, in our training environments, like our black humor, like the little side yeah. comments that we throw <clears throat> out back and forth, like I said, the, the, the swearing, you know, that all happens in training. Um, but you throw a live person in there that's one of us it's still gonna happen 
Yeah. But you throw in somebody else, like, you know, you're always on your best behavior when it's a patient, mm-hmm. uh, when it's on a real call. Like, you're watching, you're not oh, swearing, yeah. you're communicating to them. You know, you are making sure they are number one. I've always taught um, new medics that, you know, you treat, or well, even, even older medics, I see that they get sloppy, that treat every patient like it is a family member of your own. Like, are you going to make them get up and walk on that sore foot? You know, mm-hmm. or you can be like, hey, you know what? No, here, I'll, let me help you. Here, let's move this and let's you know, do something yeah. to help them. You know, we all fall in a rut. We all get miserable certain times of the day during our shifts and your patient care might not be the best, but you have to default back to doing the right thing. Yeah. yeah. Scott? Yeah, I think uh, a, a good thing also to do is if you are a firefighter is to try to be a patient once. Like you were just saying, mm-hmm. as a RIT guy or a RIT patient, mm-hmm. um, I remember being the, the patient inside a vehicle extrication once and the guys put the soft protection over my head so I'm like, I can't see anything. Like, and I kind of know what's going on. I can hear like, bap, smash, crash, and I'm like sitting there and the guy and whoever it was was talking to me. I'm like, and then all of a sudden they take the soft protection off and there's no core car around me anymore. I'm like, huh, that's pretty cool. I think it's cool, but also at the time I was thinking, oh, if I was a person in here, what would I be thinking right now? Because you're hearing things moving and then, you know, you feel the vehicle kind of shifting and you're like, you're kind of, and it would probably be your worst day if it was real. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important, I think, to put a real person, like one of you, one of us in there as well. <clears throat> and also when it comes down to it, um, any call that we go on where there's a patient involved, that patient is our number one priority. Yeah, I'm sure there's some fire going on. Maybe we'll deal with that a little bit, but patients kind of come first. In a car crash, patients mm-hmm. come first. Mm-hmm. Medic assist, patients come first. So patient care has to be first. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know uh, <clears throat> Warren. He said it a few times um, when we had him on as well. Especially he uh, he's a massive advocate of getting in the vehicle. Like if you can get in the space with the patient to help them. <clears throat> and you're you're i mean we're lucky because obviously warren's fully trained as well so him getting in is is that double edge right he's having the conversation but he's also checking the situation which is which is great mm-hmm. um but if you can get in close and kind of be under that tarp with them and making sure that everyone again is talking about things and communication mm-hmm. is key making sure everyone knows what's going on valuable extremely valuable Warren's also like our tunnel round. He's very thin and small. It's Yeah. I think for any, any, like we talked about full-time and volunteer departments, like when it comes to medical stuff, um, just train with your medic stuff as best you can. Try and stay on point with your practice. Same as we do in the fire ground, you know, because sure it might be boring. You know, you became a firefighter to fight fires and do rescues, but certain departments, like maybe the full-timers or very active first responder departments, uh, you know, keep in, I don't know, keep in touch with that patient care side of things. Keep your skills on, on point, and then you can really work together with your paramedics and, and vice versa. So the paramedics are well aware of what the fire department's capabilities are. Yeah, I think out of, out of all of this whole episode, actually, I think that that one thing is the thing to take away from this. I think sometimes, and we spoke about it before, about training with with mutual aid departments Mm -hmm. for making sure that everyone knows and can kind of synergize a little bit better, but we've never really talked about, and I've never even really thought about the fact that we go and we get assists all the time, but I don't think I've ever really met any uh, any of the guys on on car. Like, Mm -hmm. I've never had a conversation with them. I don't know what's on the vehicle. I'm literally, when it comes to those calls, 
I'm a kind of, you want that lifted and put somewhere? I can do that. Like, that's that's what I can do at this point. Scott? I think one of the problems here in our town <coughs> is we, we do have a lot of turnover for medics. It's kind of like, yeah. like a starting off point, isn't it? A lot, of, a lot of the smaller stations, like this size, usually is. Yeah, so it's a... So maybe we don't know. There's you know like I think there's two that we know that are always here in town, mm-hmm. two or three of them. But the other ones are like, oh, it's another new person. I don't know who this because <laughs> there's like so many just rolling through all the time. Right. But one thing that does always stay the same is that there isn't always an ambulance going to be there, and yeah. knowing that gear is always going to be a thing that we should know. So absolutely, mm-hmm. I'll work on it when I get them. Mm-hmm. I think also <laughs> um, just something to bring up, kind of touch base with your past episode, was that if you if the fire departments are there for. Um, you know, an ambulance assist or, or an actual uh, rescue. Um, if somebody's really hurt or really messed up, that's one of those calls that's going to stick with you. Um, it's good to have that relationship with your paramedics to, to follow up. You know, mm-hmm. sure, th- there might be a lot of patient confidentiality things that we aren't going to be able to discuss, but we are going to be able to give you the basics, you know, just for some closure at least. Uh, and, and combined debriefing too. Uh, if it is a very serious type of call, you know, the fire departments are generally pretty good at doing our own debriefings. But it might be uh, very important to consider um, a joint one. Get the mm-hmm. medics involved. Talk about the whole thing. Yeah, go talk. Huh, not just a guest, also a listener. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay, mm-hmm. gentlemen. So we have for this evening. Mm-hmm. Ash. Thank. You. Todd. Thank you. Scott. Good night. Mr. Spence. Hey, Carl. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Stay safe. <laughs>